Hey, what's up, everyone? You have, fortunately for you and all your loved ones, uh, come across the Sons of History podcast, our weekly podcast. I'm Dustin Bass. And I am Alan Joaquin. And if he sounds a little strange, it's because our conflicting schedules led to us having this conversation via phone. So, um, got Alan Joaquin here on the old rotary dial phone. Uh, thank you very much for calling in, Alan. You're, you're not just a uh, co-host, but you're also a caller. Uh, do you have anything to say? Well, I'm uh, enjoying being able to sit on the comfort of my couch and do this while you're about an hour away beyond the pyramids of Egypt. Wait a minute. You're you're at home. I thought I thought you said that you had um, a campaign fundraiser to go to for. I believe it was a close friend of yours, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. Is that correct? Yes, we're trying to raise uh, $40 trillion for the new legislation we're trying to pass for the uh, the new Green New Deal. The new Green New a, Deal? Yeah, we're, we're going to have a bake sale, maybe a, a GoFundMe account. <laughs> that's, that's not a bad idea. That is a bit of the old and it's a bit of the new way of raising funds. Um yeah, that's that's good. And Alan, I I wish you and um, new uh, representative Cortez um, all the best on getting this Green New Deal um, passed uh, and that forty trillion dollars uh, put in. And I know it will be put to good use, uh, as as all of the money that ever goes to government is always put to good use. But before we get on to that, um, let's start on a darker note, shall we? Um, it's the beginning of 2019. We've got a new, uh, Congress, if you will, uh, house of representatives now belong to the Democrats. Um, so let's talk about books to read for 2019, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that has a lot to do with the 116th Congress. <laughs> it's everything. But, uh, let, let, let's hear your suggestion. Honestly, I, um. I have two suggestions, um, and I have one of these suggestions actually inside of me right now. Um, and I said in sight, not inside yeah. of me, because that would yeah, be freaking gonna, weird. I was going to say inside of me. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, luckily this thing isn't uh, isn't recorded on, on video. Uh, <laughs> it's like, what else is in there besides the book? <laughs> Are we talking uh, Richard Gere's new movie or? Uh... No, no, I don't. No, I don't. I don't really. I've only watched a few Richard Gere movies. Uh, Officer and a Gentleman. Um, Red Corner. Um, yeah. And uh, something Fear. I can't remember. Uh, but anyways, let's go ahead and get to my book here. Uh, listeners, if you would like to know a ton about what the Founding Fathers were up to and how we came about uh, to putting this country together based on the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, there's a ton of information in this book that Barnes & Noble uh, 
accumulated all of these pieces. It's called the Constitution of the United States of America and Selected Writings of the Founding Fathers. Now, this book is a little over 800 pages long. It has the Declaration, it has the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, uh, but it also has some writings from Thomas Paine, who we referenced a number of times. His American Crisis excerpts are in here. Um, he also has um, <clears throat> Common Sense in here, which is uh, which I believe was his first one that he put out that really pushed everyone to get on top of the whole revolution and really inspired people. Uh, we have the Federalist Papers in there, which is an incredible read. I really encourage all of our listeners to go through the Federalist Papers, make notes, highlights, um, and and just 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 read all of those. Uh, just read them one at a time. Uh, there there are a large number of them, but they are they're really good to know, and it gives you a basis of how the Constitution really really came about um, and the thinking behind it. Uh, there are also the inaugural addresses by Washington, Adams, Jefferson, and Madison. And there's also the farewell address by George Washington. So, among many other things. Uh, so, yeah, definitely good reading. A uh, ton of history. And it's all in one book. So you don't have to buy a whole lot of different books. You can just have the one. So, uh, you want to know what my second one is, dude? Sure you're gonna tell me. Yeah, yeah, I was planning on it. So here goes. Here goes nothing. Um, this is one of my favorite books. It's called The Old Man and the Sea. I'm quite certain that a number of you have heard it before. This one, actually, written by um, Ernest Hemingway, won the Pulitzer Prize, and so it's. It's a book that I have decided to read every decade of my life. I, I read it when I was in high school, and then I read it when I was in my, I think, late 20s, and then in my early 30s, and now I'm only three years away from turning 40, so I will probably give it another read in about five years or so. Um, and it's very interesting how the book affects me in a deeper and different way every time I read it. It's just, I see it in a, I think as I get older and I get closer to death, all these things, uh, not to get too dark, but all these, I guess these, I, I see it in much more metaphorical terms than just reading about an old man catching a, a big marlin and then, you know, spoiler alert, uh, it getting eaten by sharks in the end and him really only having the skeleton uh, to show for it. So anyways, that one is an incredible read. It's very short, um, but if you've ever read um, any of Hemingway's stuff and you haven't read this one, this is definitely one that you have to read. But if, you, if you've read Hemingway, then you most likely have read it. But if you've never, if you've never read it before, uh, take a day, take a weekend, uh, however slow you read, and check it out. Go ahead, Alan. You know, I've read uh, one of the Hemingway, Hemingway books that comes to mind is, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it's the one where they go to Pamplona, Spain, for the bull fighting. Yeah, um, um, The Sun Also I, Rises. No, the sun, sun Also Rises. Yeah. That was the, uh, 
Now, I, I was gonna, I was gonna mention two, but then a third one popped in my head. Um, so what I'm gonna do is, we have one book that I think we should recommend, um, mostly because we are actually going to interview the gentleman who wrote it. Correct. Uh, he uh, he is a uh, Apache pilot, and he also uh, works for the Border Patrol. Uh, he's uh, my friend Daniel Flores. Um, Daniel wrote a book called South of Heaven, My First Year in Afghanistan. Uh, it talks about uh, some of the things that went on while he was uh, stationed there. And uh, when we interview him, and probably in the next month or so, he will discuss the book as well as an upcoming movie. Yeah. Um, the other books that I wanted to recommend, let's see, for non-fiction, I would say 1776 by David McCullough. Now, that book really was what shook me regarding the uh, Revolutionary War. I did not realize how close we came to losing that war until I read that book. Oh, yeah? Uh, it was... It, yeah, it was never stressed in school how close we came to losing uh, the significance of of what went on and um, why Trenton, the Battle of Trenton, was so important. Why uh, Tom? You mentioned Thomas Paine. Why Thomas Paine's book or pamphlet, rather, the American Crisis, the impact it had, mm -hmm. not only for what it did to morale, but but why in the first place did he feel the need to write that pamphlet? And that's because we were losing badly. And he he was desperate. He wanted, he just had to do something to rouse the American spirit. And I didn't know any of that until I read 1776. It's a very good book. It's, it's one of those books that, that is hard to put down. Um, you know, I've read uh, works by, say, Robert Leckie. Robert Leckie is very informative and he's very comprehensive in, in, the, in the things that he talks about. But Robert Leckie is no David McCullough. Right, um, okay. David McCullough, I mean, it's very, very easy to... You're going to find yourself reading 20, 30 pages in one night. Uh, Robert Leckie, I, I, I like what he writes, but sometimes I struggle... Reading, say, five pages, yeah. but uh, it is what it is. Yeah, okay. I, I read 1776. Uh, on, well, definitely on your recommendation, I read it last year uh, as we were doing research for our first season on the American Revolution. Uh, so yeah, definitely, think? yeah, it was it was not just a good book, but it was a fun book to read. Uh, it's so easy to read, and uh, just he, he, he gives just so much information and yet it's not um a big book in comparison to you know a lot of history books so it's yeah mm -hmm. readers readers can have an easy time reading that one fiction animal farm oh by George okay. yeah that's i a good love one. that book i read that book every decade oh really And you, what, realize how close we are to becoming animal farm here in the, here in the States? <laughs> oh, I, actually, uh, we are getting, we're getting close to uh, 1984, I think. Not so much, 
everybody thinks 1984 is about the technology where Big Brother is watching. Mm-hmm. That's not what, that is not the story of 1984. It's mm-hmm. not about the government spying on us. The governments have been spying on us for quite some time. Correct. 1984, um, without giving it away, is about not only um, being a part of the government mm-hmm. and what its plans are, but giving your heart and your soul to the government, to yeah, the big to the party. Yeah, that's what. That's a lot of people miss that. I, I don't understand. Everyone, every so many times, people say, "Oh, it's 1984. It's 1984." I'm like, um, "No, that's." not what 1984 is about Mm -hmm. it's about giving your heart and your soul to the government right and and i do see some individuals who put all their faith and all their trust into government officials to um you know pay for their living yeah to 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 lift them up and to help them and to do things right and to and run our country and run our lives. Yeah. And, I, and I hope that this is what's going to lead us into this new discussion about the 116th Congress, as well as we're going to be discussing the government shutdown. Right. It has a lot to do with my fears about 1984, also written by George Orwell. Correct. Yeah. Um, Animal Farm, really, really good book. Um, just And also another really short book, something you could do in really one sitting, uh, if you have a a few hours to to spare. Um, and definitely something that will, uh, keep your attention. 1984, I, I, and you know, animal form, I read two or three, four years ago, four years ago, somewhere in there. Um, but 1984, I read probably about 15 years ago, I suppose. Um, and yeah, really crazy book and to the extent where it's it's yeah you give your heart and soul to the government and therefore if anybody disagrees with the government you can't trust to open your mouth to speak against the government which is a scary thing um, which is why it's so important that we one we keep the first amendment of the constitution um, but not just keep it, but ensure that we do not distort it and manipulate it and turn it into something that it actually is not to where uh, the whole hate speech uh, situation where everything that is disagreeable or offensive can be classified as hate speech, which is against the law, and therefore you eliminate uh, the freedom of speech. Um, the freedom of speech is, is, well, if it's offensive, well, that's, you know, that's freedom of speech. You have, you have the right to, to say what you need to say, and then you also have the right to be offended and tell the person that you're offended, and you work it out. That's the whole idea. And 1984 and Animal Farm are books that people need to read. Uh, sort of to just give them a bit of a wake-up call because if they see things, if they haven't read these books and they see things that just sort of just, I guess, bother them or rub them the wrong way, they need to realize, hey, these uh, these ideas have been brought about, you know, decades ago um, and written about decades ago. 
So this is this is nothing new, and it's something that you have to keep an eye on to keep your keep your rights um, and keep your freedoms and everything from there. So yeah, great great choices, uh, readers. If you haven't read any of those uh, five books, uh, I would recommend putting those on your list. <clears throat> so you ready to get started on this? Uh, you want to start off with the 116th Congress and go from there. To that point, I want to just throw in because it's so frustrating to to see from a conservative Republican side. It's got to be just irritating to think, okay, well now the Demo- Democrats have control of the House. The Republicans had every opportunity to issue this stuff on board. Of course, the the Democrats did not want to fund any of of the wall, as as they have made very uh, evident here recently. But you had two years to get this get this passed, you know, to throw some money towards uh, what one of the main promises that President Trump campaigned on, um, and nothing has happened. So I think voters who may be Republican should look at also the Republican Party and say, how is it that you allowed two years to go by and we put, in the Republican Party, we put this person into office as the president on one of the promises that, hey, there would be funding for the wall. And then you have just this, the chaos of what we talked about uh, a few weeks back about the caravan and this whole situation there is obviously a problem. How could you not just get it done? And that's got to be incredibly frustrating um, for Republican voters. Well, it's yeah, it, it's you have, there. There was a window of opportunity, and it's gone now. Yeah. So you know, I don't want to hear from uh, 
some GOP saying, you know, we we believe in limited government, we we believe in the border security. We believe it's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. You had you had you had two years, buddy. Exactly. You, you like, had, don't give me this limited had, limited government bullcrap because the 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 debt has continued to increase over the past two uh-huh. years. So don't don't give me any of that. Um, and to your point with Nancy Pelosi, this is her second time. This is her second go around. Uh, she was Speaker of the House from 2007 to 2011. So this, and she's been in, um, I think, in the House for over 30 years. I want to say. So she, this is nothing new to her. She knows she knows her way around everything. Um, and she's been named, you know, a few years back as the most powerful woman in politics. So she, she knows her, her way around things. She, and Schumer knows his way around things. And I think, um, the only wild card here is that they're dealing with a president who has never had any experience in politics. So it is, it is a bit of a wild card. So it's a, it's not just a government shutdown. This is a showdown now between, um, President Trump and and the Democrats in the House, um, and who knows? I mean, maybe this is something that you know President Trump was chomping at the bit for. I mean, it, it could very well be because they have now positioned themselves with their constituents that if either side blinks, they're in trouble. Um, it's it is now a game of chicken, and. Somebody's going to have to pull over. Yeah. Now, this is, um, you know, the longest government shutdown took uh, took place in December of 95. That was 21 days of government shutdown. This one is closing in on that record. And who knows? I mean, President Trump has threatened that it could be months or even years of a government shutdown. What are your What are your thoughts on it going into two years? Because I have some, I have some thoughts on if he were to extend it for that long period of time without, as you said, without the Democrats pulling over to the side in this game of chicken. Well, here's the thing: is that the government shutdown is going to affect non-essential people. So, if he were to hold his uh, hold his own and not budge, people are you know the, the American people might sit there and go, okay, yeah, granted, uh, we can't go to any uh, national parks. Well, um, but- I think I, I don't think Trump is going to pull the old, the Obama routine of shutting down national parks, where all you got to do is is uh, well, maybe not national parks, but you remember when Obama. Uh, during the shutdown, I think it was uh, 2013, and he ordered that they wall off um, just public displays, not just parks, national parks. National parks have to be run by the, the forestry department, but you know he walled off and roped off open displays, uh, in particular military open displays, which do not need anybody there. They they don't right. they I don't have the World War Two. Uh... World War II uh, a section of the, of the mall. Right. <laughs> like, there was no budget, you know, for any of that. It was just like, okay, that's, that is wrong on a, on a lot of different levels right there to, to rope that off. 
you know, Trump's not going to go that route. But yeah, like, you know, going to the national parks, there are a number of departments that are going to, it's what, 75% of the government is funded as of right now, but, you know, 25%, I think it's, uh, last time I checked, it's, it's Homeland Security, Justice Department, Agriculture, Interior, the Department of Interior, the EPA, uh, HUD, Commerce and Transportation, um, either completely, I believe, are, are not being funded uh, by the government. And if you're, <clears throat> i tell you what, if you're a, a business owner, I don't think you really care about the EPA not being funded. Well, no, yeah, the EPA, um, that, that would probably be affected. Um, now, I, w I read uh, an opinion piece regarding the TSA, and there's a lot of people that were not happy with, um, you know, the, the federalizing of, like, the, the baggage people and, uh, um, you know, the, yeah, the, TS, the TSA at, uh, at airports. Yeah, TSA. Uh-huh. Yeah, it, yeah, it's a joke. I mean... I mean say, and I think all of our listeners will probably agree, that the TSA does a bang-up job in making sure that things run as smoothly as humanly possible. Well, I, I think what will end up happening is that if the TSA loses its funding, it's going to go back to the private, uh, private hands. And, uh, and that's the way it I should go, man. Private Well, here's the thing. The the uh, government funding, the federal budget has continued has continued to increase astronomically. So it is last time I read a, a little over 20 percent of the national budget. Right. Goes to the government. Um, and so that's four trillion dollars. And when I say the national budget, like the I think the, the GDP goes to the the to fund the government. There are a ton of government agencies um, just filled with bureaucrats, filled with okay, I'll just go ahead and give you an illustration. The Postal Service, and yes, we know that the Postal Service is mentioned in the Constitution, that it, you know, it is part of uh, the government run. So okay, I'll give you that. But the Postal Service is a terribly run part of the government. And in a lot of ways, it is indicative of how the government is run in general uh, in, a, right. in a lot of these departments. The other day... I, I the other, something real quick, though? Now, well, I was going to give you an illustration. Huh? Can you hold no, that thought? I'm, I'm in the middle of an illustration the post, here. The post office is a self-sufficient... Uh, Look, just focus on like the FedEx and, U and, and UPS. Like they do 10 times, 100 times better than the USPS. Okay, maybe not 100 times, but they do so much better than the USPS. It's, oh, yeah. it's, well, it's FedEx, ridiculous. FedEx, I know. If, I'm, if I have something coming And in guess what? It doesn't, cost, it doesn't cost the taxpayers. It. What did you say? 
I said, if someone is sending me something via FedEx or UPS, I can go online and see exactly where it is. But if they send it uh, via the U.S. Postal Service, uh, I know it's out, but I don't know where it is. And you know what's sad? Neither does the U.S. Postal Service. And that was my, that's my illustration. This uh, postal lady, she was, she dropped off the mail, and I realized, okay, she's dropped off the mail, and I've I have received the mail that belongs to my neighbor. And so I walk out, and my neighbor is walking out too, and I realize she has my mail. And I realize that, um, no, 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 she was, she had her neighbor's mail. And then everybody had the wrong, like, mail up like four or five houses. At least I didn't go to everybody's house, but everybody had the wrong mail that was one house away from being the correct mail that you were supposed to receive. And how many times do we receive our neighbor's mail? It's ridiculous. Right. But yeah. so I stopped the lady. Uh, the postal lady, and I said, uh, ma'am, just to let you know, I received my neighbor's mail, uh, she received her neighbor's mail, and I and I noticed that my neighbor on the other side, they received our mail. Um, and I'm afraid that this is probably going to continue for you. And she's like, oh my God, I'm so, she's very sweet about it. She's like, I'm so sorry. This is just, it's so confusing. And it really caught me when she said that. And I thought, so confusing. What is it that is so confusing? You're already you're already in the correct zip code. You got the hard part down. Now all it is is you don't even have to look at the name of the people. Who cares about that? All you have to look at is, well, am I on the right street? And okay, let's look at the numbers that are you got two chances. Let's look at the numbers that are on the street on the curb, or let's look at the number that's on the house itself and make sure. So you got two opportunities to make sure that you're dropping it off in the right spot. And she <laughs> systematically <laughs> screwed the whole the whole street up. And so, but it was indicative of, of one, the US Postal Service, but two, just how often the government you know, is, is, is run and they put these numbers together as far as inefficiency and how much, uh, money is spent by the government that, um, is, is just waste government waste. I mean, this goes into the hundreds of billions of dollars on an annual basis. You know, you can't take some of that money that you, that you, you're, you know, that you're going to screw up with and just hey. Go ahead and uh, fork some over it and, and fund the wall and give everybody a a bigger tax return. How about that? Right, right. Well, so, yeah, that was my illustration. I, You're I, welcome. I, I, have my, I have my own stories on the post office, but I don't want this to be a let's bash the post office today. We can do that on another uh, podcast. Yeah, we can. Uh, yeah, let's do that. That sounds fun. Okay. Uh, the budget that was uh, passed 
by uh, Nancy Pelosi and uh, the new Congress gives an additional uh, $12 billion in foreign aid, more than what was asked for. That includes $2.9 billion for economic and development assistance for the West Bank and Gaza, Syria, and Pakistan. Why? Why are we giving $12 billion to international foreign affairs with some of that including those three countries? Um, number one, majority of the people in those three areas hate the United States. They yeah. hate us. Mm -hmm. Pakistan especially. I think Pakistan is known as one of the most anti-American nations out there. So why are we giving them money? Why are we giving Syria money? Isn't that part of Russia's sphere of influence? Isn't that part of Iran's sphere of influence? Well, why can't Iran or, or Russia give uh, money to Syria? Alan, why, why, how can you not see that, that you solve it by throwing money at the problem? Well, I'm, I'm just saying, if they're going <laughs> to want money, why can't Saudi Arabia or Kuwait or United Arab Emirates, which are building huge palaces, with uh, all the, the oil money, the revenue, why can't they give money to the uh, West Bank and Gaza in Pakistan? I, I, I don't yeah. I don't understand. I, I do not yeah. I do not get it. Um, mm -hmm. And right. there are there are so many things that are being that are pushed. And you you referenced this a few weeks ago when these big bills get passed, and it's like, uh, and I think you referenced or used an example of this is to help the veterans and. But there's like a ton of other stuff that's put into these bills. And so if somebody votes against it, you know, the opposing party, uh, whoever supports it, makes mentions that, oh, well, you uh, apparently you don't like the military. You don't like our veterans. You hate our veterans. And it's it's that whole straw man effect, the loaded you know question where it's almost like an unanswerable question. Uh, it's it's so ridiculous that. I wish, I really wish that Congress would understand that the money that they are using does not belong to them. It actually comes from people like me and you and every other hardworking American citizen who pays taxes. That's where the money comes from. And last time I checked, uh, money doesn't grow on trees as much as I wish it did, but yeah. it's so well, ridiculous. Be that inflation factor, but that's another story. <laughs> well, but, uh, uh, to, well, to go further. What I was going to say is, is that uh, so so they offered twelve billion more than what was requested. They offered seven hundred million more for the United Nations than was requested. They offered two billion more than was requested for the EPA, and seven point one billion more than the administration requested for the housing and urban developers. Now, couldn't find $5 billion to fund a wall and end the, uh, end the, uh, the shutdown. And now, of course, it depends on who you look at, but from what I gather, a majority of, uh, the majority of Americans, and that will include Democrats, do believe in border security. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know if, they, if the Democrats necessarily want the wall, but 
You know, I think a wall is, uh, my opinion, I think a wall is going to be part of border security. You don't just start and stop at the wall up, of course. Right. I is, mean, if you if you really is. wanted through, you could somehow make your way through, whether you climb it or, or whether you find another route through. But that requires you to find another way around. To me, the border wall, it sort of pays for itself after a while. As long as yeah. it's a well-constructed, um, hard-to-get-over uh, wall. It, 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 just, it, is, it is a deterrent. It, yeah. it, now, if you want to get around it, you can, but you've got to put a lot more of an effort to do it. Right. And you, you risk injury or I don't want to, well, I mean, you risk injury or death if you fall sometimes, what, 20, 15, 20 feet, you know, from, from, from the air. Yeah, you, you can really risk uh, a lot with that. And then you got people throwing, you know, relatives over the, over the wall. Like, it's a high risk, you know, and potentially uh, low or no reward with that. And another thing that uh, apparently uh, Democrats are looking for with this uh, new House bill, appropriations bill, is they are not wanting just the dreamers to be legalized, but they're now uh, wanting the parents of the dreamers legalized. So instead of about 800,000 people, now it is looking to increase to about 4 million people. And if... If the president signs this, if it passes through Congress, and it, it just seems to me like everything is just talk. Like, you don't really, you're not really serious. You're not serious about saying, no, we're fighting for this or we're fighting for that. Like, look, if you're just, you're just going in and you're going all in. And that's every, every single time. And just, you're not even playing your cards right. You're just... You're just going all in every time and see see what see what'll happen. And that's to me, it's not that's not smart politics. And are you talking about are you talking about them passing a bill that they know that they know it's not going to be um, uh, debated in Senate and, and signed by the president? Yeah, I mean, it's one if you're a Democrat and you're requesting this, you're you're okay. You're saying I'm not going to fund the wall, and now I'm going to give. Uh, like you said, almost $13 billion to foreign aid. And then also I'm requesting that 4 million uh, illegal uh, residents uh, become legalized. It's just like you're asking the Republicans to say no. You're almost begging them to say no. And to me, that just yeah. it doesn't make sense to do that. And on the other side of that coin, if the Republicans bow out and say, okay, we'll do it, Oh my gosh, like, what is going on? Why? Because you've got 25% of the government not being funded. Look, we can live without, you know, $4 trillion a year going towards government. I'm sorry. You can go ahead and take, you know, the remaining, what, $3 trillion and, you know, diversify the funds. How about that? How about figure out a way to be a bit more efficient with, with the money that's coming in? That we... We give to the government to run things efficiently and sufficiently and to keep this, this country protected. Um, so just, just do that. Just quit, quit hiring tons of people and then getting to the point where now you 
Here's the thing, and I think we all know this, firing public employees, government employees, nearly impossible to do, despite the fact that we have a ton of people who do work like the postal lady was doing. They just, you're not good at your job. How is it that you're getting paid this large amount of money? I had a friend when I was, uh, this was a number of years ago, I was in the process of looking for a job and they sent me the uh, uh, sent me a link for government jobs and I was like, my gosh, they're paying like ten, fifteen thousand dollars more than the the average uh, private sector salary for a number of different positions, not just the one I started just looking at other positions. I was like, how much are they freaking paying these people? And it is astronomical. And I'm thinking, the people I keep running into, they're not very good at their job. How are they? <laughs> I mean, why are you paying them so much? And then it's almost like right when they get hired, they're on tenure. Yeah, there, um, there's no, there's no motivation for them to do good work simply because there's no accountability. There's no accountability, and they know that they're protected. They can't be, they yeah. can't be fired unless it's an egregious act, and that's no good. The private sector would never. You can't succeed in the private sector doing something like that. You know why? Because if you do something like that, your customers will go somewhere else. Guess what? Right. We're the customers. We're we're taxpayers. We can't go anywhere else. So they they keep getting paid. They get keep getting paid despite the how poorly they do their job. Uh well somebody's gonna have to blink. Somebody is gonna have to blink, but I do want to ask you this question. What if the president holds out indefinitely? I know that this is you know, crazy to think, but what if he holds out indefinitely for two years? There's no doubt in my mind that the media is the one that's going to lay blame for who they feel is at fault. Now, uh, I remember, I remember in '95 when it was uh, Newt Gingrich versus Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton and George Stephanopoulos, who was who was working for Bill Clinton at the time, they successfully led a narrative that the shutdown was Newt Gingrich's fault. Mm -hmm. They're not going to do it this time with Nancy Pelosi. They're going to find a way now to blame Donald Trump for the government shutdown. Mm -hmm. Now, Donald Trump made the mistake of saying that he will gladly take credit for the shutdown when, uh, when there was that little showdown in the uh, White House between uh, between him, uh, Vice President Pence, Chuck Schumer, and Nancy Pelosi. Uh, don't, I, my opinion, I don't think that that was really the wisest thing to do um, to, to uh, take ownership of the shutdown. Because mm -hmm. now, if there is a two-year shutdown, you know, they can say, well, you know, he did say it, it is mine, so. Yeah, and he, but here's so, the way. But, 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 but what I was gonna say, I was gonna follow up with this, people, and and you know, and, and I and listen, I, I do read, I do read uh, Facebook, I do read comments in articles, and I and I and I do see even uh, black and Latino people saying stuff about needing border security. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that they support a wall, but they do believe in border security. And that, I mean, that even the Latinos believe in, in border security. So, mm -hmm. 
I, I don't buy this argument that, you know, that all the Latinos, that they're voting as one body, and they all want as many illegal aliens as possible in this country. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, really don't, I really don't think that's the case. I even know a lot of Latinos who believe in, in border security. Oh, likewise. And, I, and they, they get very uh, upset that people would try to come in and demand and make demands on the American government. Right. And, you know, and look, they, you know, they themselves... They probably went through the whole, uh, if, if they themselves are immigrants, they went through the, the legal process themselves, and they're going to be resentful. They're like, hey, look, man, I, I waited 10, 15 years to get in, yeah. and this guy is just storming in and making demands and stating, you're going to let me in even if it's against your will? I don't think so. Yeah. You know, my, my, my parents migrated to this country, and it, it took them 14 years to even be American, to become American citizens. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, my, my folks tried it, and, and I read some of the letters that my father wrote to, a, uh, like, a, a pastor in uh, Baton Rouge to try to get my father into the country. And, and uh, you know, it, 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 my father went through the process. He, got, he was successful, and he brought uh, my mother and uh, my older brother into the country. So, and, and you know what? Uh, my parents, when, when my father was alive and my mom today, they supported border security. They they were for a wall. They, I mean, you know, hell, they have a they have a, a high fence uh, in their backyard. Yeah. They don't want they don't want people just walking in. They they know people can jump over the fence, but it's gonna it's gonna take some kind of an effort, and they'll be seen and. Right. It takes some you know, doing. It takes some doing. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. So. And the way I I sort of see if. You know, President Trump does hold. If let's just say that the Democrats say you're not getting any funding for the wall, that's just not. And let's say that Trump holds true to his word that if a bill is sent to me without any border wall funding, I'm not going to sign it. If he holds true to that and he holds out for two years, I think there is a chance that the American people may see how well the government still can be run or how much they don't miss a lot of the things that were being done or at the same time realizing, okay, a shortage of funds means you have to get smarter with your money. It's like anything else. If somebody, if you get demoted or if you lose your job and you have to go get another one, guess what? You start messing with your money and you figure out the things that you need and the things that you don't need. And I think if the government were to get to that point where, okay, now we are, we're short on funds, so we're going to have to start, one, we have to get rid of people, or we have to get rid of agencies, or we have to shorten up some of the things, or we have to become more efficient um, and it, without losing anybody. But we have to become more efficient, and we have to adapt to technology. I think it could be a huge plus um, for the American people. I think it could be a huge plus for... Honestly, I think it could also be a huge plus for Democrats and Republicans, um, both. If the American people say, man, uh, the amount of money has dropped significantly for for the government budget and nothing's nothing has you know fallen by the wayside or nothing yeah. nothing terrible has taken place. And I right. think that that could really like, happen. It'll be like Y2K. Okay, well, nothing happened when Y2K came and went. Yeah. And you know, President Trump, the last uh, 
major budget signing uh, that he did that was a little over a trillion dollars. Uh, I think it was little. I think it was a little less than a year ago. He said, and I remember just being pissed off that he that he signed it. I was really I was really upset that he had signed this bill because I'm thinking, man, that's another trillion dollars that we don't have. We really don't have. We're already uh, listeners. If you want to go check out this website. It's called usdebtclock.org. It's pretty cool. You can go check out the debt in not just the, the total debt, but you can check out everything. And those, it's all in real time. The numbers are moving, and it's pretty insane. Uh, it's also uh, almost a little scary uh, when you look at it. But to that point, he said, if you send another bill like this again, I'm not going to sign it. And who knows? Maybe he's not going to. Maybe he he's he determined. Hey, when I said that, that's what I meant. So who knows, man? Who knows? Yeah. So, but what do you think about the uh, the Green New Deal? I'm I'm looking at a tweet from Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. I know your uh, sister in arms here, um, but she was saying um, in one of her tweets a few days ago, actually middle of uh, last month. Uh, her tweet says, and we have hashtag Green New Deal liftoff. Um, and then she followed up with, never underestimate the power of public imagination. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm thinking there's a, there's a ton of imagination that's, that is going on in the new representative's head. Uh, like when she made a statement to the sit-ins, um, and that, that came into the Congress building a few weeks back, and she was complimenting them on sitting in and making their demands. And she said, uh, we must become completely dependent on renewable green energy within 10 years. There is no other option. She actually said, there is no other option. And I was thinking, um, I, can, I, can, I can throw a few options your way. Uh, so if you want to hear them, you know, I can I could probably send her a tweet, give her a few other options. But I, what I did find also sort of uh, humorous and ironic is that she has a couple of emojis. One is one is the earth, which makes sense. Uh, the whole idea is to um, help the earth um, with pollution and uh, CO2 and um uh, Yes, fossil fuels and making sure that everything is as clean as possible, which I guess is a noble effort. But she also has a rocket, a rocket ship on on her tweet, which sort of uh, what do rockets what do rockets run on again? I can't remember. I'm okay. sure there's fossil fuel in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I know it runs on fuel. Uh, I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a physicist. I couldn't tell you exactly what the makeup. Uh, I've never built a uh, rocket, and, I, and I'm not and I'm not a German, so I couldn't tell you uh, what all went into the V two rocket. But uh, yeah, I mean, I saw I saw an interview, and I I don't uh, I thought it was one of the one of the I don't remember, I really don't remember what TV station it was, but he the guy looked a little reluctant, and he goes, "What? So you're saying that we need to get rid of?" cars that run on on fossil fuel within 10 years and she's like absolutely and he and i, I thought it was uh what, 
was it Anderson Cooper? I thought it was him. It might have been Jake Tapper. It was Tapper, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, okay, it was Tapper. Okay, and, and here's like, okay, so that's going to be pretty expensive. That means that every American is going to have to replace their car within 10 years. Yeah, which and, uh, she won't have to because I think she just owns a bike or something. Well, I mean, do, do house members, do they get limos or do they drive? I don't know. Maybe they, uh, well, I'm sure she walks to, you know, better the planet. Uh, God bless her heart. So who knows? Uh, but I'm pretty sure most of them drive cars, and I, I doubt that they're all electrical electric vehicles. Okay, well, all right. Correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, I've, I've been in traffic, and I do see all the cars... And I understand how it can, you know, pollute the uh, pollute the air. But I've also seen videos of volcanoes, mm-hmm. and that'll kill you. <laughs> the stuff that's emitted by a volcano will actually kill you. Yeah. And you know, and, and you know, and I've seen where a, a volcano in Iceland completely shut down all the airports in Western Europe. Yeah. Now, how are we? Well, that's exactly that's exactly what your Mustang does. Pollutants from from messing up our environment. Uh, pretty easy. You just shut down the volcanoes. So we pass a bill that says that volcanoes are not allowed to emit uh, fossil fuels. Correct. Yeah, they can erupt all they want to. They can throw out lava. They can do all they want to. But the moment they start emitting fossil fuels, they get fined uh-huh. in, in an extravagant fine or fine. Okay. So that, right. that's, well, that's I, the only I, way to I get. Guess, uh, I guess I could. Uh, oh, we, we need a tax. Yeah. Always, <laughs> always a good way to make money. Well, hey, man, uh, I was wanting to go ahead and uh, end this show. I know this is the first time, so I'm not able to give you any uh, physical signals of, hey, let's go ahead and wrap it up. So just going to have to do it verbally uh, since you are miles away from me. And as we always do, I wanted to end on a scripture verse. And I think that this uh, is sort of fitting with how we have ended this conversation uh, with Miss Cortez. And the whole idea of becoming completely dependent on green energy, unless that there, is, unless there is some massive advance in technology that is extremely easily easy to implement and low cost on American citizens and the citizens of the world. How about that? Uh, here's a here's what we're going with Proverbs twelve and eleven says this: Those who work their land will have abundant food. But those who chase fantasies have no sense. Okay. Well, I think that's a good quote for our good friend uh, from the uh, great state of New York. Yeah. Miss Cortez. And listeners, if uh, if you feel the need, uh, go ahead and tweet that scripture over to her. Um, because if she requires everybody to get rid of their cars and purchase new ones or get rid of their cars and not purchase new ones. Uh, a lot of us have to get to work via our cars. Um, we will have to 
work our land in order to have food <laughs> because we're all going to have to be farmers and gardeners. Uh, so, yeah, I prefer not to chase fantasies. I do prefer to stick with what works and pursue um, things that could make our lives better. And so in that, I completely disagree with Ms. Cortez on her notion of the tenure idea. But I do agree with the idea that, yes, we do need to work to make our, our, our country and our world as, as clean as, and as unpolluted as possible, um, preferably without um, coming up with, uh, what would you say? I mean, it used to be global warming, but now it's climate change. So without, uh, yeah, that's what it is this year. Yeah. 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 Without, you know, forging and, and fubbing, you know, flubbing a bunch of numbers and trying to make something bigger than it actually is. Cause remember everyone, uh, Al Gore's inconvenient truth, all of his predictions, uh, none of them came true. Uh, and that was part one. Um, and part two, actually even, um, mainstream media thought that, uh, part two was, was trash, was trash of a documentary. So anyways, uh, with that, I guess we can go ahead and close and everybody don't chase fantasies, chase your dreams. Like Alan and I are doing with this, uh, this show, the sons of history. Um, but at the same time, work your land. In other words, get a job, work hard, earn your keep and spend wisely and demand the same from your representatives and your senators. So you good well, with that? Sir. You good with that? I'm good with that. All right. All right, listeners. Um, if you haven't, please feel free to subscribe to our podcast and please rate and review. Leave us something nice. Um, and Alan, where can they find us? They can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and YouTube, as well as our own website, which is www.thesonsofhistory.com. You got it. All right, listeners. Well, we hope you have a wonderful week, and we will chat you up later. Take care.